coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. And that same Holy Spirit that rested upon them at at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that is resting upon these Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And the same Holy Spirit that rests upon the Gentiles at Cornelius' house can rest upon you in the house here. But not only can it rest upon you in the house here, it can rest on everybody else out in the world. So that person that you don't think is supposed to be around, the Holy Spirit can work through them. God will speak through a donkey. So if God can speak through a donkey in Balaam, then God is able to speak and use anybody. spend a little time talking about who is your Cornelius? Who is your Cornelius? Having been not too far removed from the corporate world, I still hold certain things uh, dear to me about working in the corporate world. Uh, And I, I suspect I'll probably never let them go. Uh, I remember the last company I worked for before I became a full-time pastor was one by the name of Mechdyne Corporation. Mechdyne Corporation was based in the Midwest, and uh, they had just secured the contract for audiovisual support uh, at the campus of ExxonMobil in spring. And so I spent some some wonderful times at Mechdyne. That was one of the most thorough uh, investigation slash interview processes I had ever been through. I turned in my application on Thanksgiving and did not get uh, my offer until March. And it wasn't because they just sat on my resume and and, and thought it was something. No, they, they hit me up as soon as I turned in the the resume and application, but in order to get hired by this organization, I had to uh, do some behavioral assessments, some psychological evaluations. Uh, I had to take a Wonderlick test. I had to do some Skype interviews. I had to do some in-person interviews. I had to take a mechanical aptitude test. And then after I took the mechanical aptitude test, it was one of these deals where they'd have uh, two glasses of water on the paper, and and one had a whole bunch of ice in it, and one had a little bit of ice, and they'd ask which one was colder, and then they'd have some other ones with a pulley system design, and they'd have one pulley system on one end and another pulley system on the other end, and and they would all be designed different, and they'd say which one of these would be easier to pull the box up, and they had all of these tests Involved. Never mind that I had already been uh, a technician working as a contractor for some of the previous companies that had the contract. They didn't care about that. They wanted to do their evaluation system before they determined whether or not I was suitable to hire. And once I got the offer and, 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 and began to work there, I had an understanding of why. Uh, One of the things that the CEO would always say is he would always quote Peter 
Drucker, and he would say, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so here I was with someone that had 14, or by then I, I want to say 16 years of audio-visual experience, and I was starting this job, and some of the people that would work with me that were some awesome field engineers could do things with equipment and computers that I had never known could be done before. But their previous job before working right alongside of me might have been a waiter at a restaurant or, or a manager of an of a, of, of a animal shelter. Why? Because they had this understanding that they didn't care about qualifications. They cared about attitude. And so if you had the right behavior set about you, they could teach you whatever they needed to teach you in order to do the job. But you had to have the right culture. You had to fit their culture in order to be able to teach you had to have the right mindset. You had to be willing to be teachable. You had to be a true team player and not just say, I'm a team player in the interview. After about four or five psychological evaluations, they'd have figured out if you was a real team player or not. And so they would do these things, and I remembered that. And, and, and I remember uh, them talking about the four Ps along with uh, um, the uh, the the culture eating strategy for breakfast uh, there was four P's there was a positive attitude there was proactiveness and, and then process and performance everything you learned you had to be able to write down a process so that somebody else could walk in and do it on a piece of paper uh, just cold and, and, and all of these things were a part of your development so you could be the best engineer in the world but if you had a bad attitude you could still get fired. <laughs> and so I remember it, and I remember him talking also uh, in, in an interview, or not an interview, but in the evaluation, they would have these things, and so they actually put the four Ps on your, your evaluation. So processes. Have you written any processes for the rest of the company this year? Uh, uh, have you performed well? Do we have a bunch of complaints about you or do we have a bunch of attaboys? Uh, are you proactive? Do I have to tell you what to do every day or do you come in and get work and, and, and get it going on your own? And all of that was, was evaluated, but the positive attitude, how you treated other people, how you treated the coworkers and the customer was weighted. Matter of fact, that was 60% of the evaluation. And the other three made up the rest of the 40%. And so I remember those things. And the reason I think about it when I look at this text is because they also, the CEO used to always tell this story. And he'd talk about this wagon company that was the, one of the largest and most successful wagon companies at the time. Uh, but then the engine got invented. And they started putting the engine in these wagons and started calling them cars. And this wagon company went out of business. And, and the CEO maintained that the reason this wagon company went out of business was because they saw themselves as a wagon company instead of a transportation company. So when the change came on the horizon, they didn't, they, instead of trying to figure out what was going on and try to ride the wave, they stuck to their guns. They stuck to the tradition of making 
just wagons and went out of business. Because once the cars started going around, the only people that rode wagons was for recreational trail rides, and you couldn't support a big business off of that. And so they got disrupted by the technology. And sometimes the technology and invention, a new device, arrives on the market and makes such a splash that it disrupts the entire industry. And the world is never the same. The smartphone is one of those examples. Uh, I, I see some young folk in the audience, and I realize, I, I, I think about it when I think about my child. I realize that my children don't know what it's like to not have Internet access in the house. <laughs> to not only have, not have Internet access, but Wi-Fi. The children get mad when they're loading up their little educational videos and there's buffering. Daddy fixed the Wi-Fi. The video's not playing fast enough. <laughs> they grew up like that, whereas when I grew up, they said they had these little uh, AOL discs that you had to pay for Internet time. And, and rarely, rarely did we have people that had multiple phone lines in their house. So if mama and daddy needed to use the phone, that meant you couldn't use the Internet. And only a handful of kids in the class had internet access. The, per, the smartphone. I mean, imagining these times where you actually had to be home and wait for a call. Now you can be found anywhere. And now you have smartphones that are so uh, advanced that you. I've, there have been times where I think, do I really need to bring my laptop out with me today? I can do just about everything I can do on my laptop. I can do on my phone. And there was a time when the computer and the laptop was something. They, the computers used to be as big as this entire sanctuary. And people had to walk up and down the hall with punch cards in order to get it to do simple stuff. Now you can print out your sermon. You can do a, go to all these websites. You can look up anything. You can get into a bunch of political arguments on Facebook. You can do all kind of things with it now. Uh, 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 some of those things, the lesser known cases are occurring every day. But they also were happening over 2,000 years ago. Amen. There were things that disrupted the status quo. Yes. There was things that disrupted everybody's thinking about how things go. There was a man from Galilee that disrupted everybody's understanding of how this thing called religion was supposed to work. It was disrupted. And these things continue to be disrupted. Uh, uh, we read Acts 10, 44 through 48 in your hearing, but to understand what's going on here, I got to give you a little context. Let the church say context. context. Uh, uh, there's, there was a time where the people of God were exiled. You had this, when you read through the Old Testament, I know some of us don't turn much to the Old Testament, but when you read through the Old Testament as a, as a whole, there, there, was, there was a time in history where the people of God were, they, they searched for this promised land. And, and it took them a little longer than it should have. It, the, the Bible says it could have been a, like a, a three-day trip or an 11-day trip, but it took them over 40 years to get to the promised land because church folk don't know how to get along. Uh, they, it took a little longer than it needed to go. But then they finally got there. And they had it, but they had it, then they lost it. 
Uh, but even prior to that, when they got there, uh, they decided they needed a king. And God said, you don't need a king. I'm your king. But they still had kings anyway, and so they did all of these things, and then finally they got taken over. And they, got, they lost their own land, and they were exiled. They were, they were put in foreign lands. They were enslaved. Not by choice, by the way. Uh, the, 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 not by choice. The, the slavery was not a choice, by the way. Just going to put that out there. They had overwhelming military force to, to ransack their place and desecrate the temple and spread them all out. And that's why those things, are the, when we look at an Isaiah, and he talks about they that wait upon the Lord shall mount up his wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. He was talking to people who were in a foreign land. They were not in their home. They were taken away from everything that they knew. And so they told them that. And so we had this Babylonian exile. They were removed from the place, and then they finally started coming back to the area that they had came, come to know as the, the promised land and then the Jerusalem area and this Jewish community in Judea. When they got back to where they had been kicked out, they decided that they were going to start acting a certain way. All right. uh, they were trying to reestablish uh, various types of religious purity. Uh, uh, the books of Chronicle and Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and Zechariah and Malachi are filled with discussions of, of restoration of ritual purity in regard to the temple uh, and, and, and also with regard to the people themselves, the, the royal priesthood and, and the chosen generation and these royal families and the rebuilding and the rehallowing of the temple uh, major reconstruction processes and that included not only the building but the spiritual climate around the temple as well they felt like since we are trying to restore what was once lost we also need to act a certain way and we need to carry ourselves a certain way around the church and, and all foreign wives and husbands and children were actually expelled from the reconstituted people. Uh, if you're taking notes, that's Nehemiah 13, 23 through 31, where they decided we need to get back to just us. So we're going to kick all of those out who ain't us out. You can't sit with us. Bye. Tear the road up. Holla at you later. They, they kicked all of these people out. And so all of this stuff is going on in the Old Testament. They're trying to get back to what they, they former days. They're trying to get back to their old glory. And they're trying to get back to all of these things. And then Jesus comes along and comes up with this way. This way for the people to follow. They didn't call it Christianity at the time. They called it the way. And Jesus has now, you know, been crucified, died and buried and rose from the grave on the third day and is ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And he has left the church folk to try to figure this thing out by themselves. Well, not exactly by themselves. The Holy Spirit is there to help them, but I'm going to get to that later. Uh, and so they've tried to figure this thing out. And so, you know, they had all of these rules going on when they were following these. They had dietary laws. There were certain foods they couldn't eat. And there were certain things they couldn't wear. And there were certain things they couldn't touch. And when certain things were going on with women, they had to be outside of the, the, the area, of the, the common area, because they thought that these things were unclean. They had to maintain a, what we would call now a, a kosher diet. 
uh, and, and cultural identity and all of these things would happen and these laws of, of purity were an inner lesson to the people and Jesus came along and gave these people access to the Father and they gave these people who had separated themselves from everyone else access to the kingdom because Jesus was a Jew. And so the people who were Jews were like, oh, glory, we got something else for us to follow. Forget about the rest of y'all. Is the microphone still working? <laughs> and so they have all of these things going on, and so there became a bit of a battle between Peter and Paul. And there were people who, who uh, thought that this Jesus thing that came along should only be for the Jews. That's when you see things like the circumcised and the uncircumcised, that's what they're talking about. They're essentially saying that the church folk, the circumcised, the believers, this is who they're for. Uh, you can't join in. You got to be born in. And so they're going around taking this thing, and, and, and Peter was on the side of you need to be born in at the time. And, and Paul was on the side of it should be available to the Gentiles. It should be available to those who were not born. God's grace should be available to all. If I could only think about an organization <laughs> that thinks you need to be born in, if they prided themselves on being second and third generation method. I'm sorry, uh, other uh, thought that they thought you needed to be born into something. And that carried more weight than somebody else who just came to Christ. And so it was hard for them to let go of this. And that's all going on before your reading. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10 doesn't actually start with Peter. It starts with a man named Cornelius. A centurion, a God-fearing man, someone that had looked at what these people were doing and thought that that is something he needed to do. And so Cornelius had his own vision from God. And in Acts chapter 10, when he had this vision, uh, he, he decided to meet up with this man named Peter because he received a vision from an angel of God that told him his prayers had been heard. And he understood that he was chosen for something higher. And, and the angel instructed Cornelius to send the men of his household to Joppa where he was going to find somebody by the name of Simon Peter who was residing with a tanner by the name of Simon. Oh, what a strange thought that is. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit, that the angel of God, that anything divine could happen to somebody who wasn't already a member of the church. You mean God could possibly talk to somebody that is not the one that poured the concrete for the church parking lot? That is not the one that put every brick up by brick, brick and, and hand stitched the communion table cover together themselves? You mean God talks to plain old people? who don't have a whole bunch of degrees, that don't have a bunch of money in their pocket, that don't have a bunch of letters behind their name. You, are you serious? God can talk to some random soldier of a Roman army and not talk to me, the, the, the rabbi? 
How strange is that? But I'm in the Bible, just Acts 10, if you ever want to go read it on your own. And, and, and he sends these messengers to visit Peter and ask him to come speak to Cornelius, who was in Caesarea. And Cornelius becomes the human being. Because while, uh, let me back up, while Cornelius is having his vision, Peter is having his vision. And Peter has a vision of his own, and, and, and a cloth sort of comes out of, I would call it a picnic table of sorts, and it's a bunch of stuff on it that he ain't supposed to eat. Uh, 10 and 13, uh, it says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And, and, and just, just this wasn't part of the sermon, but I'm just going to put it in here anyway. Uh, I, I like Acts 10 and 13. Even though sometimes it doesn't apply to me. But there are some people out there, atheists if you will, or, or smart Alex, that, that probably read the Bible more than some Christians. And they'll, they'll make a point about things we do in the Bible. And, and one of the smart Alex things they will say, uh, and, and rightfully so, um, if you're a Christian, why are you eating shellfish? I saw you at the crawfish boil. <laughs> Bible say you ain't supposed yeah, to eat shellfish. What kind of shirt you got on? Is that a polyester and cotton blend? Uh-oh. Bible say you ain't supposed to mix fabrics. You had bacon with those eggs this morning. I guess I guess bacon another a hard a hard point. I, I got pulled to the side when I was talking about fried chicken. I'm, I'm probably going to have that again when we're talking about this bacon. That's all right. All of those things are, are there, but what happens is, 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 is Peter has a vision in Acts 10 and all of these things that we are not supposed to be eating. And the reason I say it don't apply to me is I'm allergic to shellfish, so don't invite me to your crawfish boil. Don't, don't give me no gumbo. I I'm going to give it back. I ain't going to be rude, but I, I just, I'm not trying to die. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the, 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 all of these things that we are not supposed to eat, uh, according to the Old Testament, they, they come down on it and it says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, that's unclean food. What am I supposed to do for? And God says, don't call anything I've made unclean. Uh -oh. Amen. 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 And so, yes, they had these dietary restrictions, but that's the beginning of it. If you were to see the usual suspects and, and see that, that Kevin Spacey uh, was in the beginning, you would only consider him uh, 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 the lackey of the group. But if you ever watch it to the end, you understand he's the mastermind. So you can't come in at the beginning and count that as the gospel when you got to watch the whole thing in its entirety. Uh, and so he tells them to rise, Peter, kill, and eat. And, 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 and that's and he follows, uh, Peter follows his vision and disregard for these rules of purity. And, and only if he does that is there a chance of this unclean person, this Roman centurion, this person who I would think wasn't born in and ain't got the right family and ain't got the right lineage and ain't got the right background about him. Only if he understands that everything that God has made is clean and it's not your place to call it unclean. If only he understands that, that's why he's willing to meet with Cornelius. Ah. Uh, and so Peter takes 
his some Jewish companions, the Jewish Christian companions to Caesarea to respond to Cornelius' invitation and states that he is willing to enter the house of a Gentile. Some of these rules that they had come up with, some of these rules that they had been following meant that you weren't supposed to be hanging around these people. You weren't supposed to be in the same house. You weren't supposed to break bread with these people. You weren't supposed to be around them because that being around these dirty people would make you unclean. But Peter, Peter saw fit to still enter this Gentile's house because that would it, it would risk him being ritualistically contaminated but because he had seen that vision beforehand because he had heard from the holy spirit and told that don't call anything god makes unclean he was willing to go in the house he was willing to cross the boundary between clean and unclean and this was much sharper than simply whether or not Peter, as an individual Jew, had contact with non-Jews. What was at stake here was the inclusion of the Gentile converts which had previously entered the Jewish Christian community. They weren't even supposed to eat around them. Peter struggles here to understand what God is doing, but even though he struggles to understand what God is doing, he presses forward. Yeah. Oh, what a good idea that is to do. When God is doing something in your life, you may not understand it, but you keep putting one foot in front of the other. Keep putting one step in front of the other. Keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Keep going towards what God wants you to do. You may not understand it, but it'll be better by and by. Yes, sir. And so once he gets to Cornelius' house, Peter explains the gospel to him and his household. Not just him, but his household. And, other, and, and another miraculous visitation takes place. The Holy Spirit surprises the Jewish Christian brethren who have come to Peter by resting upon the Gentiles on the in the house. So uh, they too can speak in tongues and evidence of signs and acceptance by God. Just like the, the Holy Spirit came to visit the people at Pentecost, the same Holy Spirit that came to visit the people in the upper room at Pentecost was able to visit the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And the revelation occurs to all that have gathered this place. And so they, 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 they understand that God shows no partiality. Yes. Uh, we are all children of God. We, we are all children of God. Amen. And that same Holy Spirit that rested upon them at, the, at Pentecost is the same Holy Spirit that is resting upon these Gentiles at Cornelius' house. And the same Holy Spirit that rests upon the Gentiles at Cornelius' house can rest upon you in the house here. But not only can it rest upon you in the house here, it can rest on everybody else out in the world. So that person that you don't think is supposed to be around, the Holy Spirit can work through them. God will speak through a donkey. So if God can speak through a donkey in Balaam, then God is able to speak and use anybody. Amen. Uh, and this situation becomes dubbed the, Pent the Gentile Pentecost. Uh, and, and then we get to the part in your reading. 
But all of this has happened beforehand. And while Peter is still speaking these words, explaining what's going on, the Holy Spirit falls upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, uh, that's those who are the believers, uh, are, are astonished as many as came with Peter. So that means all of them. All the ones that came with Peter to go to Cornelius' house, they saw this and were astonished because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. It wasn't just for the members of the church already. It wasn't just for the people that got, the, got a fancy title and get their name on the bulletin. It wasn't just for the people who have some sort of position or who have been saved all their life. That same Holy Spirit that poured out on the, the super Christians is going to pour out on the baby Christians too. Ah, and, and, and it says no one <laughs> the, the, because the gift of the Holy Spirit for they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. Heard them speak in tongues and, and magnify who? Not themselves. Magnify God. And so the reason they were able to do it because it wasn't about just them. I, I, <laughs> I always remember when I was in middle school, I had a classmate. I won't say his name. It's, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I remember it all the time. I used to, uh, we used to have some misunderstandings, I'll just say. We had some misunderstandings in middle school. One or two that it required somebody to stand in between us and, and, and make sure that we went opposite directions. And, but I remember... <laughs> A long time ago, he used to say something that, that kind of irked me to my core, not like I was the model student uh, going to middle school. I, I, I just wasn't the model student. But one of the things he used to say all the time was, there's no I in team, but there is a M-E, me. Me. There's no I in team, but there's an M-E, me. And I think about that when I see this magnifying God. They got the gift of the Holy Spirit and realized that it was not about them. Those that were new in the faith got that instantly. They magnified God. It was not about them. They say that the third time's a charm. They magnified God. And they magnified God because they realized that it was not about them. If only we could adopt that, just the big church. I know we don't have that problem at faith. Uh, but just the overall church as a whole, if we could understand that this is not about us. The greatest commandment Jesus gave us was to love God and to love people. Not to love God and to love ourselves more than everybody else. Not to love God and love the way that we think things should be done. Not to love God and love our tradition. Not to love God and love our history. Those are all beautiful things. But it says to love God and love people. Do what God wants us to do. And because they were able to do that, he said, can anyone... Forbid the water. Can anyone, in, in, in some translations it says, withhold the water. Ah, 
going to put on my little Methodist uh, uh, theology hat that, <laughs> to get me ordained. Uh, this is one of the reasons why we baptize babies and we have an open table so anybody who so desires yes. can Amen. take communion. Yes. It is not our place to try to withhold the grace of God Amen. from anybody. Amen. We are not doing the work in any of those things. The Holy Spirit is doing the work in those things. And because the Holy Spirit is doing the work in those things, it is not our place. We don't have the authority. We don't have the power to tell anybody no. Can anyone forbid the water that these should not be baptized? Ah. Baptismo, baptizo, sorry, in the Greek, uh, to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, uh, uses of, of vessels being sunk, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe, to overwhelm. To overwhelm. Let the Holy Spirit overwhelm Amen. you. Peter is operating off of the Holy Spirit. Uh, prior to the Holy Spirit going into Peter, Peter would have had denied Christ several times. Prior to the Holy Spirit operating in Peter, Peter would cut somebody's ear off for trying to approach Jesus. Prior to operating with the Holy Spirit, Peter had a bad mouth upon himself. Peter would say some things that you would not find in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, Peter had some, some choice words for people, but with the Holy Spirit. Peter is able to tell these people about Jesus with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches and 5,000 souls come to Christ with the Holy Spirit. Peter goes from not even sitting around people who are not born of the faith to going all the way to Caesarea, going all the way to a Roman soldier's house and watching them be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked them to stay a few days. Uh-oh. I'm still, in, I'm writing 48, 10 and 48. And then he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked them to stay a few days. They needed some extra education. Check one. Hey, hey, two, two. Yeah, they needed some extra. They didn't just go one time and say, I'm good. Come on back. I can't have a salad one day a week and say I'm eating healthy. I can't go to the gym on January 1st and say I'm good for the year. I can't tell my wife I love you just one time and don't say nothing else for the rest of the marriage. They, com they asked him to stay a few more days. We can't just operate off of this one thing and be like, I'm good and everything is great. We got to continually develop ourselves. We got to continually practice the spiritual disciplines. We got to continue fast, continually pray, continually 
give, continually volunteer, continually go to church. Not just want continually go to Bible study. Amen. Come on back. Amen. They commanded them to stay a few more days. Mm. So that they can get to understand about this man named Jesus yeah. who was born of a virgin and suffered under Pontius Pilate, yeah. was crucified, yeah. dead, and buried, and rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. They had to get more of an understanding. It was nice to have the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. Amen. But you still got to get developed. Yes. You still got to keep working at it. You still got to keep trying. You, there is nothing anybody can master just one time. So they, command, they asked him to stay a few more days. They were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And they still asked to stay a few more days. So, that, so once they got a good foundation, they can take that good foundation and apply it to other people. And once those people got a good foundation, they could take that foundation and apply it to other people. And then those other people got a good foundation, and they are able to take it and apply it to other people. But none of this happens unless you are willing to find a Cornelius and go to Cornelius' house. The doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you found this message. If this message blessed you, be a blessing to someone else and share it. Connect with Pastor Johnny on Instagram and Twitter, and be sure to like Faith UMC Dickinson on Facebook.